Hello to anybody and everybody that's listening. This is the N. Lopez Podcast. I'm the host, Nathaniel Lopez. Obviously, that's where the title comes from, you know. You feel me. Okay. So, I don't have anybody sitting with me today. I'm alone in the office. What am I doing in here? Well, I figured I would just talk about the band that I'm in, Toilet. We are an American band from Arizona, if you didn't already know that. I've talked about this band quite a few times. I think in one of my last solo episodes, I'm pretty sure I talked a little bit about working on uh, our last EP that we just released, but I figured I would kind of go a little bit more in depth, or probably just try to go a little bit more in depth of, like, behind the songs and what the songs are about, and just, like, the whole process of, uh, you know, recording. I'm sure I talked about it before, but maybe... I didn't go as in-depth, and if I did, well, then you might have not have listened to those episodes. I know whenever I interviewed Efren, he, um, I don't know how much we talked about Toilet, so I guess I can give a history of Toilet, and then lead into how the Real American Zero came to be and then talk about what's, maybe talk about what we have uh, in the works, you know. Um, so let's uh, let's get it started. What, uh, where did Toilet come from? So, Toilet, the, the name originally came from me and Efren and the coolest janitor ever whenever we were in about fifth grade. We came up with the name Toilet for some reason, but it was spelled T-O-Y-L-I-T. And we would just write parodies of Blink-182 songs. We had a few of them. You know, if uh, I'm pretty sure I talked about this on Efren's podcast, I'm pretty sure we covered that, but, so we never ever played, we just would hang out, say we were a band, we were hypothetically a band called Toilet at the time, it was me and Efren, and then our janitor, Mr. H, he was a pretty fucking cool dude, he, uh, he got me a signed Plus 44 famous poster, so I was, uh, Pretty stoked about that. He's he was a really he's a really cool dude, and um, he's very into music. And that I think was what brought us closer together, like than most of those kids, because we were maybe a little touch of what he had been whenever he was younger. Who knows? I don't know. Can't uh, can't say. Can't speak for people because I don't live in their heads. So. We were this hypothetical band called Toilet. We uh, would sing and write parodies to Blink-182 songs. Yes, I already said this. And 
we would just hang out at school, you know, like before class. He would just kick it, you know, I guess it was probably like more of like he was just making sure kids weren't being um, crazy before class and we would just kick it with him and we'd talk about bands and music and about this, these ideas and dreams that we had when we were kids. So that never went anywhere because it was just, it was all really hypothetical. We did have one one thing that was like our trait is we had to wear uniforms in elementary school. So what we would do to stick out is we would just pop like our left collar up, the left side of our collar, but we'd leave like the right side down. So it's like chaos and order at the same time, you know? So, because we're not, we weren't fully against the system. We were just like, eh, the system, who needs it? We might. Eh, we were just kids. We were fucking fifth graders, fifth and sixth graders. So, um, yeah, that never, we never actually made any music. We made a cut. we wrote a couple parody songs. That's about as far as that got. So then after the end of a band that Efren and I were in, and Carlos as well, our current guitarist, Guitarlos. Um, so after the end of that band, we started Toilet. And I'm sure I've talked about this. Every time I talk about it, I feel like I've said this before under recording. But hey... Fucking deal with it. This is Toilet Talk right now. Toilet Talk. Toilet Talk podcast featuring Nathaniel Lopez. Toilet Talk. You're talking about toilet. I'm talking about the toilet. Toilet Arizona. This podcast is brought to you by Toilet Arizona. Hey, Toilet. Okay. Sorry for that. Um, so we were just jamming... And Efren was jamming with, like, various groups of people, just anybody that really had any shred of desire to make music in Salmon Well. So we were all, like, we would jam every day, probably about five or six months of just improvisational jams for about, you know, we would we would never... Um, we would never write songs. Maybe Carlos and Efren would play the same things over and over again, but I would never, ever sing the same vocals. I was very, I, I would always improv vocals, and I had a, a ten. I've I've had a tendency of doing that for quite some time. If I don't, ha- if I can't sit down and write over the music, then I'm more than likely just gonna um, make stuff up, for the most part, and then sometimes I'll go. Like, we'll be practicing these new songs that I don't have lyrics for yet. We'll be practicing them, and I'll start... I'll try to remember, like, what I sing for their for the choruses or the verses. So sometimes I'll pull my phone out and start writing for them. But for this six-month period where we were jamming and just, like, for me, nothing ever felt like we were playing the same things. And we didn't have a band name yet we were uh we were up in the mix of like what are we gonna do so eventually we decided it's like hey if we're gonna if we're gonna play shows then we need to 
start playing the same song and practicing some songs. We need to build an actual set list so that we can start playing some shows and stuff. So we needed a bass player and um, like one of the only people that we knew in, in town to play bass was um, our friend at the time, Juan. And Juan was actually an ex-bass player for um, the band that we used to be in, me and Efren and Carlos used to be in. And uh, he was actually the original bass player for that band. And after he was out of that band, Carlos came and started playing bass. So then we got Juan to start playing bass for Toilet. Carlos was on guitar. Efren was on drums. And I was on vocals because I am very untalented and cannot discipline myself to um, sit down and learn a instrument. One day, maybe, possibly, who knows, whatever. That's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about toilet. Hey, okay, fucking hey, let's get back to the toilet talks. All right, so Juan actually got us our first show. We played this um, release show for this band called Bummer. At uh, Casa de Cori, met a fuckload of cool people there. Um, uh, we were drinking, we were smoking, all uh, all around having a good time. That's what I like. I like house parties that are parties, house shows that are parties. I don't. Li- I'm more of a fan of house shows where people are inclined to um, intoxication versus house shows where people are just there to play music and listen to music and that's it because sometimes the intoxication um, pushes people to talk more and socialize more and maybe that's just me and like what I am what I'm what I know maybe that's just what I know but who knows? So we played that this house show, and um, our so this, the show started off. It was like our friend uh, Garrett Garrett William Moore. You can listen to one of his podcasts. I think it's like episode four or something. So he played an acoustic set because his band Sucker for the Sour at the time was not, or well, they're still a band. His band Sucker for the Sour. Couldn't make it to that show. So, Garrett played an acoustic set. We played with some other cool bands, Rubik's and The Resistance. They're um, they're fucking dope. And um, John Rubik's, the guy who uh, who is like the leader of Rubik's and The Resistance. I don't know if that's what they still go by, but he, um, he does some good, he makes good music. So, you know, check that out if you want, whatever. So he, uh, they played, uh, a band called Bummer played, I think the Abstract played. I'm not sure. I have no clue. But uh, that was Toilet's first performance. Met a lot of cool people at that show. Made a lot more Tucson connections. And uh, all around felt a lot of love from that show. A lot of people dug it and were into us and stuff. And I was like, fucking cool, man. It was an awesome show. It was a good environment. 
and uh, all around it was a dope place to start toilet show. And then going back and listening to some of the, um, like the, watching the videos from that show and uh, hearing the songs, and I'm just like, man, I was improvising that whole set. It's like these lyrics suck now. It's like off key. That song is different. It's a totally different song now. All that shit. But that was the beginning of Toilet's live show career after some time and a set being made. We played more shows and stuff. And then we got around to recording our first single, which is a bonus track on REP The Real American Zero. The single is called Broken Glass Home Part 2. Well, Part 2, huh? Where's uh, where's Part 1 at? Huh? Well, Part 1 is floating around somewhere on YouTube. And it is by a little band called Never Fear. It, that was some acoustic project that me and Efren would do where we would record improvisation, improvisational songs. And sometimes they sounded cool to our ears at the time. So we would post them. So Broken Glass Home, the original, is on YouTube somewhere. You can find it. If you really are destined to hear me sing like shit and an out-of-tune guitar, I think. But hey, we were kids. We were like in eighth grade, maybe. So Broken Glass Home Part 2. We went and recorded that at, I think it was Earth Says Studios in uh, Tempe, AZ, with a guy named Hiram Hernandez. Pretty interesting experience, to say the least. It was We spent the whole day just recording the single. Um, it, it was dope. You know, I, uh, I had a good time. We went and ate um, Peter Piper Pizza afterwards, but... Um, you know, it was just cool. It was interesting to go into the studio and see, like, this guy was making this studio. He was building the studio himself, and that was just cool to see because we're big fans of, like, the the DIY-ish um, setup, you know. You want, you want to, um, if you want to do it, you know, do it yourself. And this guy, you know, he made the song sound really fucking good. A lot of people uh, always tell us, like, that's a good song, you know. Thank you to anybody that really likes that song. I appreciate it. I appreciate the times you play it and download it and do whatever with it, you know. Listen to it before you go to sleep. Listen to it when you're having sex. Listen to it when you're driving your car off of a bridge. Listen to it wherever, whenever. So let's get into a little bit about uh, Broken Glass Home Part 2. That was one of the first Toilet songs that was ever written. And by that I mean one of the first Toilet songs that we actually were like, this is going to be our song, this is going to be, um, you know, this is it was like the, one of the first songs we made that we were able to play over and over again and it sounded the same. Sorry, got to get a little bit of water in my throat. My voice is getting dry. Ah, okay. So, Broken Glass Home originally, um, I remember 
we would play. And at the time, we had another person with us in the band, another person on the microphone. It was our friend Jeff Hubbard, El Jefe. He um, he was our homie. He is our homie. We love him and we miss him. He moved up to Oregon, so we were not able to continue like having him in the band because he lives in Oregon now and we're an Arizona-based band. So it just doesn't make sense, does it? So originally it was just us two and we would like freestyle on stuff and go back and forth with on the song. And uh, then like I remember one day I... I went home to my parents' house because I was living at my parents' house in Samuel at the time. And I went home and I sat down with my first typewriter. And I was just like starting, I started writing out this, uh, the song. And it turned out to be Broken Glass Home Part 2. So I think what the song is about and what, like what I remember feeling as I was writing these lyrics because it was so prominent in me at the time was being stuck in this town, the town of Samuel at the time. You know, I felt like, you know, some, it, sometimes it could get to you and sometimes you could feel like a loser for just, like, being there because you have you always have to go out and do... You have to go out all, all ways to go, like, do things, to shop, to get groceries, actual groceries, not just stuff from the dollar store. And, um, you know, sometimes you can just feel like you're going to get stuck there you're going to get stuck in this party scene that they've got going, you know. And, you know, some people, it's not like it's a bad thing, but it's definitely not something that I wanted to be stuck in. I didn't want to be um, going out all the time and getting fucked up. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, you can't do that here living in Tucson, because you can. You can just, you can do that anywhere. But I was extremely comfortable in Samuel. And I was getting fucked up quite often, a little bit more than I should have been, I think. And that is what, in turn, led our previous band to collapse, was we were not 100% in the music. We were probably 60-40, like 60% into the music. No, I would say 70-30, about 70% into the music, 30% into being intoxicated at the time. So that's what led to that band's demise. We kind of still had that, but we were with at the beginning of toilet we still had the like the wanting to party and we were still partying. But I just don't think I think we had more musical drive this time. And we were getting fucked up and playing. We sometimes we'd just get drunk and play just like jam for hours and stuff. So, but, you know, after, after a while, it kind of catches up to you and you start to, um, you just start to feel like you're going to get stuck. Like you're building these routines and stuff and you're just trapping yourself and you're, you're getting super comfortable with, um, with the lack of movement and it brought me down. It, it hurt to think like that, but, you know, uh, I think, I think in the end, you know, it's just the song, it's, I think in the end, the song is about questioning yourself, 
losing yourself in like your thoughts for the most part. You're you're like stuck in your head. You lost all yourself in question, you know, and you're just trying to find direction. And the reference to being trapped in the basement and in the attic is just like kind of being trapped in a part of the house that's out of the way and not really functioning. Well, I'm not saying that a basement and an attic don't function. They have function for storing stuff, but you don't want to be caught in your storage of memories and stuff and always thinking about the past and stuff, you know? You're storing all these things in those parts of the house, but you're stuck in those parts of the house because you're just always looking through your memories and you're just digging stuff up and you're you want to be stuck in these good times. So, you know, you're you're stuck in the attic in the basement getting fucked up and thinking about the old times looking through old shit. That's what broken glass home is about. It's about being stuck. Just being stuck and trying to get the fuck out of being stuck. And we recorded that. That was our first single. We shot a music video for it. You can find all that shit on YouTube. You can find Broken Glass Home on Toilet's Bandcamp. You know, SoundCloud, I think it's on Toilet SoundCloud. It's on YouTube. It's on Apple Music. It's on Spotify. It's on all that shit. So, Broken Glass Home was, you know, we... I don't want to talk about how much we spent on it, really. But it was, it, you know, we, we weren't the best at, like, saving our money. So whenever we did it, it was, like, majority of it was paychecks all at once, and we were broke for a second. But by this time, I was already... I was already living in Tucson by the time we recorded it, so uh, we played the song probably for... That song is really old. We played it probably for about, like, a whole year before it was even recorded, so, like, things had changed. I would moved to Tucson, so, you know, whenever I recorded it versus... Because we recorded it, we recorded it ourselves first, so the first time we ever recorded it, we recorded it in Salmon Well, and, you know, everybody was living in Salmon Well at the time. So the original, which you can find on YouTube, and I think you can find on our SoundCloud, um, the original, I would say, has the purest emotion of what the song is about because, you know, I was I was feeling that and living that as I was recording the original, the rough mix edition, which you can find on YouTube. It's the original mix. Broken Glass Home Part 2. We recorded it. Efren recorded all of it um, on his computer that we had gotten at the time to record all of our stuff, which uh, we recorded two tracks on it. Um, one of them not to completion, but we'll get to that in a little bit as I progress down the um, the song list of The Real American Zero. So, um, we recorded that, by the time we recorded the single version, which you can find, like, everywhere now, um, the one that's on the EP as a bonus track, that one we recorded in Tempe, and after we recorded that, you know, we shot a music video with this guy named Kevin, I don't remember what his last name is, he's, he's a pretty cool dude, um, 
I guess I got to find out what his name is. I don't want to. So we shot that at The Rock. Our friend Avery, who actually was on the last episode of this podcast, she was able to get us some time at The Rock. And um, she got us a show at The Rock. Okay, Kevin David, that's what his name is. I think he's out of L.A., but uh, he's the one that shot us, shot the music video for us. Um, so our friend Avery was able to get us some space down at the Rock. We were able to shoot in the basement, so uh, we threw a show that day too. It was us, Lifelink. I think uh, Decayer was supposed to be on the show. Um, can't really remember who else was on that show. It was a uh, it was a good time, but. We um, we shot the music video before um, before we did anything. So like we got there, we got to the rock, we started shooting the music video. It was it was a really fun time, you know. Um, we were in the basement. It was hot as fuck. Uh, Low roads played and the mindless played on that on that show later that day. Because uh, I remember De- uh, Decayer couldn't. I don't think all the members of Decayer could make it or something like that. So they didn't um they didn't they didn't play. But Lifelink played and they killed it like uh they always did. Uh so we shot the music video and it was cool because it was like our first time ever shooting a real music video, you know, instead of like doing a DIY one. So he was Kevin like had the pro gear set up and it was just dope as fuck. We got lights. Uh, I think Avery and Josh Strifolino, uh, Avery, I don't know how to pronounce Avery something with an N, and Josh Strifolino, um, they came through clutch for us, they set up that show, they booked, they helped us book Kevin to record, uh, to come shoot the music video for us, and we shot the music video, and it was a good time, the lights were super fucking hot to perform under, but all in all, I think it was cool, my hair at the time, was stupid because I just shaved it all one length and I'm not a fan of that anymore and I think in the music video I look stupid. You can find the music video on YouTube, Broken Glass Home Part 2. So I remember Kevin dropped his camera like he was getting ready to go do something and he um, he dropped all of his setup and he was just like fucking pissed about it. And it's just like, whoa, shit. And I remember I was like right there the whole time and I was, did not want to, I was just like, yeah, man, fuck man, that sucks. It's like anything I do to help, I don't know if I offer help or not. I'm just trying to make myself seem like a good person. But we played the show and stuff and all that. Time progresses, time progresses, time progresses. We didn't release the music video for a while. Like he was busy doing stuff and it was taking him a, a minute and we thought we were going to get it back a lot quicker. I guess we just didn't understand how busy of a person he was. So in that meantime, I wrote, I I made a lyric video for Broken Glass Home Part 2. And um, we uh, got the music video back. We released it. And we were, you know, all in all, we had, in that time, we had, I think we were already in the progress of um, writing our... Um, REP, The Real American Zero. I think we had already had it written. 
Well, I know that after Broken Glass Home Part 2, we were like, okay, we've got all these other songs. We're just going to fine-tune them and save up. And we did that. We played shows and stuff. We met this um, bass player This bass player for a band called um, Short Stories from California. Their bass player, Sean Tolley, um, he offered, he said, you know, if you guys are ever looking to record, you know, um, let us know. And um, Josh actually had a project with them I think a little bit before we um started going up there and recording so we we'd gotten word that you know it was really dope time and that he would give us a discount because we were coming all the way up from Arizona so we got a four song charge for to to go record five songs and um so at the time some some band stuff was happening before like a few days before we were set to go record and um you know someone wasn't um you know our bass player wasn't um picking up the slack on his on his end he was slacking and he wasn't helping and he didn't have his side of the money and he was just ignoring us so we just said, you know what, whatever, bro, forget it. We'll go record this by ourselves. We played a show the day before we left for the first time to go record. Um, we played a show in Oracle, Arizona. One, It was our first time playing there. We've played there a couple times now. And um, it was our first show there. And surprisingly enough, the people that we were playing with were awesome as hell. They were great hospitality. We ended up making 40 bucks, which went a long way the next day as we began our trek for the first time to go record the real American Zero, a toilet EP, 2018. Yeah, so we went and we, so we started our drive. We started our drive to San Diego, California. The surfing capital of the USA. I'm just kidding. I don't know if that statistic is correct. So don't quote me on it, please. So we made it to San Diego. We left probably like midday. Got there. I think it was like a Tuesday. It was like Tuesday or a Monday. It was a day where, you know, there like we went to Mission Beach first. That's the first well, no, it's not. We went and stopped at a dispensary because weed was legal. If you're 21, you could legally buy weed. So we went and stopped at this Vons. We got cash back. We went and walked to this dispensary and got this. Got some fucking joints. I, I was just like, I'm going to buy some joints. I can legally buy joints. It's not illegal here. Boom, bought some joints. And then we went to the beach. Efren had bought a pipe. So we went to the beach. Walked down the beach. We're, we're walking around Mission Beach, you know, went and got some Mexican food, came back to the beach and smoked. Just like, felt like, it, we felt like such adults at the time. Well, I felt like such an adult at the time because it was my first time driving out of state by myself with just my friends. Because our previous band, we'd only came to California once to play one show, but we came in a van with a trailer and our driver was our guitar player's dad you know which was cool but this was like 
liberating in a way because it was like, it's like, oh, I'm being an adult. I'm doing, you know, I'm going into different states by myself. I felt cool for the first time, you know. It, it felt dope. It felt awesome. So we were just chilling on the beach smoking, and then uh, we went and we were staying at Efren's cousin's house. You know, stayed in her apartment, slept on the floor the first time. It was god-awful fucking time sleeping on the floor. It was cool hospitality. She was very nice, very cool. Shouts out to Kim, if you ever come across this. Um, so we um, started recording the next day, the, the day after um, we got into California. Drove over to Sean's house, and uh, we started tracking drums. Drums were the first thing we tracked. We tracked, I think, three songs on the first day and then two songs on the second day. And we got, I think we got a little bit of, like, a scratch guitar as well done the, the, the set by the second day. It was, you know, it was just really fucking cool time being in California, you know. We, uh... We would just go and we would smoke in the morning before we would leave for the studio. And uh, we'd go like chill in this park, this big old park, and just sit in it across the street from Efren's cousin's house. And we'd just smoke on this bench, watching everybody go about their daily activities in California. And we were just like outsiders into their perspectives, I guess. Something that's not super important, but it's something that was cool to me and something that stuck out to me and I thought was like, this is worth remembering this feeling of being away from where I live, but also like taking care of something that I need to take care of. And so, you know, we recorded those songs and we... um we got the drums tracked. We weren't able to book it to where we... Because we, our original plan was to like go up there for a week and just get it all done within this week, save some time and money. But we weren't able to like book to get that all booked and stuff because Carlos's job, I think, um, he wasn't able to take the time off. So we were doing it on like these weekend or, or like early, early week runs. So, um, you know, we were just like, Take going whenever we can. We ended it ended up like being three sessions of. Um, so the first session was tracking drums, some scratch guitar. the The second time we went up there was St. Patrick's Day. You know, we came back up. We did the usual. We stopped at that dispensary. We picked up our stuff. We went, and I th I don't know if we went right to the beach this time or not, but um, you know, we just. Did that. So we smoked. We chilled around California. We'd go we'd go back to the studio. We started tracking guitar. We'd start tracking... Carlos started tracking guitar and bass. And we were just chilling the whole time, you know, having a good time. I was mainly just the driver observing and listening for those two, first two times because I didn't do anything besides sit in the studio. And... Um, what did we do the second time? The second, this like the night we came back on the, the second time we came back, it was like St. Patrick's Day. So, like, one of the nights we were like, we came back to the 
to Efren's cousin's house, and um, we were just like sitting on the. We this time we had airbeds, and we were just like laying on airbeds and stuff, and fucking the. There was just like fiestas going on, people just getting fucked up the whole time. And we started stopping at this place. Well, like the first time, from the first trip to this trip, we stopped at this place called Aunt Emma's um, Pancakes. And mm, that place is fucking delicious. Shouts out to Aunt Emma's Pancakes in San Diego, California. You guys are delicious. I need to go back there and get some fucking pancakes sometime. So, the third time... I came back by myself. It was me and my wife that came up. We came up, and we it was for just two days, you know. We came up, bought a hotel, chilled in a hotel, uh, and then we started, you know, tracking vocals for all these songs. And uh, I got majority of the vocals done the first day, but I was, like, pushing it so hard because I was just, like, you can hear it that it's, like, a... I'm like pushing out these vocals in a raspy way. And I don't know, maybe I was just like self-conscious of like my singing voice and I didn't know if I was going to be able to hit these keys correctly. So I was just, uh, I was like, I think I was pushing everything out just too hard and just like a in a difficult, um, just very, just pushing it out too hard, you know, and you can, you can hear that when you listen to the Real American Zero, I don't know, some people might like it, some people might not, some people might say these vocals just don't match the, the way the songs are sounding, I know that, I can feel that sometimes, I like the songs still, I love the songs, you know, it's awesome to see um, time and progression come to fruition, so I pushed, I was pushing these, I was trying, I think I was trying to get all the vocals done by the at by the end of the first day and i think i had like two songs left to record or one song left to track and i was just like trying to do the first line of it and my head was just starting to throb really fucking hard and i was just like getting massive headaches and i was just like hold on you know i'm gonna drink some water i'm getting like the splitting fucking headache really fucking painful and i just had to like stop for a second and then I tried doing it again, and it's just like fucking killing my head, and I could not do it. I just could not fucking finish the, the vocals. So we ended up going back to the hotel and staying there. And it's just like I had to get, I had to get these fucking vocals done the next day. You know, we came there around noon or something. One, one or two. No, we came around noon. I it took me like an hour to track the last track. Got it done. I got out of there. I came home, and uh, that's all she wrote for that. We event. We then went through, um, you know, passing emails back and forth of mixes and you know of like what sounds good, what needs to be brought up, what needs to be brought down. You know, make it sound this way. Blah blah blah. And then eventually. Um, we got the final mixes back, and we had the real American Zero, and we were then we then began to start saving to buy some CDs, some physical CDs, and um, buy um, 
a membership for third-party streaming for the most part and uh, distribution. So the Real American Zero, you know, we shot our own album artwork ourselves. We, Me and Efren did that one night um, because Efren, in all that time, Efren made his way up to Tucson. Efren had moved up to Tucson within the time of the Real American Zero, before the Real American Zero was released. Efren had made his way up to Tucson, living in the same apartment complex as me. And um, one night we were just like, let's go shoot the album cover for the Real American Zero. We shot um, we shot it and the cover of it. If you, if you don't know what the cover is, it's a ghost. Um, yeah, it's a ghost holding up a sign that says the Real American Zero on a piece of cardboard. And he's just standing on a road. And... Uh, you know why 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 a ghost? Well, you know, obviously our song second song is called Ghost White. But anyway, that's not what I want to talk about right now. Uh, yeah, we shot all the artwork ourselves and then we we uh, purchased some CDs and stuff through a place called Bison Disc. I think that's uh, Bison Discs, yeah. And uh you know, we got our we got our CDs. We ordered like 100 physical copies. Started making merch and stuff for them. Like, we've got bottle cap openers, buttons, and koozies right now. We have just not been super... Like, we um, we forget to take our merch with us to shows. So we don't always... Um, we don't always bring our merch with us, and we forget. And we haven't even posted any of it online. So... I think whenever the album first released, we were we were doing a lot of, um, you know, promoting of it. We were promoting, we were buying ad space on Facebook and stuff and Instagram, trying to promote it more. And then we just got caught up working on this this next stuff and playing shows and like kind of our own things for the most part. We're we're a band that. Um, we we we're all doing a lot of different things, so sometimes it's easy for us to get caught up in these other things that we're doing, because you know we've got for the most part all of us have a pretty decent amount of, of of things that we like to do aside from just being in toilet. So, um, you know we released the album, and the real American Zero was born. You can find it anywhere you can find physical copies off Bandcamp. you can buy a cd if you'd like got some dope ass cd artwork from our friend andy solace whenever he was still kind of drawing you know he was uh he was still kind of into the the whole idea of liking to draw but now him and uh efren are all about rapping they're wrapping it up huh and um so you know, we made um, we made the real American Zero. Yeah, I'll say it again. We made it, and it is all right for a first release. You know, um, some people might say they like it. Some people might say it sucks. But uh, who cares? Not me. Not me. No. 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 Um, I like it. You know, it's um, this is probably where I'll start to get more into what the songs mean and what each track is about lyrically because I wrote the lyrics for these. 
I wrote. I started. I got. I wrote fifteen thoughts. Fifteen thoughts was a track that I had um, written lyrics for right after Broken Glass Home. So that was also one of like the first tracks that was made after uh, Broken Glass Home. But the first song, the first song is All On Your Own. Uh, I think originally we called it Why Don't You Try or Why Don't You. That was the original title for it that we came up with. And then after we recorded it, we uh, decided to call it All On Your Own. But that song, so when you listen to that song, you might pick up that it's just about you know, kind of the kind of a similar um, thing as Broken Glass Home. You know, it's like you're not doing anything; you're standing around. It's like, why don't you try to do something when you're when everybody's standing around? Everybody's standing around. Nobody's doing anything. Why don't you try a little bit and get out of this town that you're stuck in? It's a no-name town. It's it's a dead place. So why don't you try a little bit more than the people that are just standing around? And why don't you make your dreams come true or chase after those fucking dreams? And don't just stand there thinking about it and go do it. Because, you know, in that town, there's a lot of talk. You know, a lot of people are talking about what they want to do. And they're known for what they talk about. And sometimes I think that people will give them credit of being what, what they dream about being before they're even making those dreams realities. So that's what that song is about. That's what All On Your Own is about. It's about being on your own, getting away from this place that you used to call home and finding your way to make your reality, your dream become a reality for the most part. So that's what All On Your Own is about. And then, um, and then All On Your Own leads into Ghost White. Now, Ghost White is a song about intoxication. Let me see. Let me see if I can pull up these lyrics on my uh, my phone. Because then, I can, if I can just read the lyrics of them, then I will get it better. Okay. So, yeah. The song's about being intoxicated, you know, and feeling uncomfortable in your intoxication sometimes because sometimes you can get un- you can get intoxicated to the point where you're not comfortable in your own skin. You start to have these really self-loathing thoughts and you start to hate yourself and you're just like feeling like a loser because, you know, maybe it's a fucking Monday and you decided to get fucking drunk on a Monday or on a Tuesday you got wrecked out of your mind and intoxicated. So, you know, you think about just being out of your head and sometimes when you're in these situations where you're super intoxicated with a bunch of other people that are extremely intoxicated, all the talk is talked over, you're talked over a lot and what you say may not be heard and you just like lose, sometimes you'll lose the point, like you'll be talking and you'll get off track somewhere and you lost the point that you were trying to make you can't remember you feel like a fucking idiot at those times and you're just like ah forget it whatever but 
sometimes when you're deeply intoxicated and you're too deep in your thoughts, that might make you feel weird. And so Ghost White is just about being intoxicated and (laughs) feeling fucked up, feeling uncomfortable in your own skin, being intoxicated, because maybe you got to that point of gross intoxication where you started to hate yourself for it. After Ghost White, we lead into a song called Eyes. Now, Eyes was originally called, like, See You Sleeping, dropped it down to Sleeping, and then we, uh, we it eventually became Eyes. So Eyes, I think I wrote Eyes to kind of follow up as, like, another, like, as, like, maybe a part two, but it's like a follow-up to Ghost White, in a way. That's why it's there. I think that's why we put it, third in the on the um on the album is cuz like those three were kind of we kind of you could kind of lump all on your own ghost white and um eyes into like this three part song that is about or three part story that's just about being in this being stuck in a small town being fucked up and being uncomfortable because of previous feelings of like being trapped and you're you're realizing you're catch, catching yourself in this phase of being intoxicated and then sleeping or eyes is about um you know it's just about going home and trying to sleep during that intox like that gross intoxication where you're having nasty thoughts and maybe you don't have to be intoxicated because, you know, you don't have to be intoxicated to relate to this because sometimes people are uncomfortable in their own skin because they do feel trapped in the place in that places that they're at. You know, I just write these about being intoxicated because sometimes those emotions erupt more as I'm intoxicated. Not saying that being intoxicated is a problem for me because it's not. But I'm saying that sometimes during my intoxications, I will have points of, of you know, of gross... Um, intoxication where I'm hating myself and I'm loathing, you know, and it's just a depressive episode probably during, um, during intoxication, you know, it's just a little bit more amplified than an episode that one might have, um, by themselves sober. So, you know, whenever you listen to it, you don't have to be a person that like that drinks or that gets intoxicated to, um, to relate to this because you know this is just about feelings these are about this song these songs are about emotions and feelings i just so happen to relate them to moments of you know intoxication but you know don't make that what it's about cuz i'm just saying what it's about to me i guess um so eyes eyes is about trying to lay in bed at night after all after all of this stuff that has happened and something or someone is creeping into your bed and getting into your head. And it's a very simple song. The lyrics are very repetitive, but the meaning behind it, I wanted to repeat it because it's what it feels like, you know. Someone's coming into your bed at night. Someone's poisoning your head at night. Someone's, you know... They're fucking with your dreams. And, you know, maybe it's not someone. Maybe it's something. Maybe it's a thought. Maybe it's an emotion. Maybe it's a feeling. You know, the the eyes is about that. Eyes is about feeling like these emotions won't leave you alone. Like these feelings or this person 
this thing won't leave you alone even when you're trying to sleep at night. And and even when you're sleeping at night, it's coming into your it's coming into your sleep and it's starting to manifest itself in your sleep, into your dreams. And it's about that feeling, you know, of just like, you know, something's coming in something's entering your life and it's not maybe maybe not entering your life but something's entering your head these these emotions and these problems that you're carrying follow i guess that's what it that's what it is it's it's these emotions that you have follow you you might feel uncomfortable in your own skin and even when you're trying to sleep at night you're thinking about it and problems follow i guess that's what eyes is about eyes is about problems following so after eyes we go into a little bit of a slower gem it's called uh, me you that song is a very a personal and painful song for me cuz um i wrote it about a time in my life that um was causing problems for me and my wife and I was it was you know it's in the long run everything was majority of it was my fault everything for the most part was my fault it was all brought on by me I was not spending as much time as I should have been with her I was ignoring her I was trying I was hanging I was just being a kid still I guess um, I was hanging out with my friends all the time and, you know, making her making her feel secondhand. And so I wrote this song about it, you know. I wrote it about, as as in kind of an apology for, you know, making you feel, you know, like that. For making her feel like that. So... I wrote it out in a in a more of a metaphorical way where it's like I kind of like leave you stuck at this place because you don't have anywhere else to go, and but I'm not going to spend time with you, and eventually you know that causes some problems, and you know I admit my fault in it, and after writing that song I kind of came full terms with it. Now when I play it, it kind of fucking. It just sucks because I relive those emotions of feeling like a fucking total asshole. But hey, that's you know maybe it's a it's a lesson for me each time I sing it as well and perform it because it's like I don't want to lead down that road again. I don't want to go through all that shit again because it was painful. You know, it was a lot of problems and it. You know, luckily and thankfully, we were able to to work over that shit and get over it and. um yeah, so that was that. And then 15 Thoughts. 15 Thoughts was one of the other songs that we had wrote, written. We had written that song about right about, right after uh, right after Broken Glass Home was written, pretty much. So 15 Thoughts is a song about two, um, about a time in my life where I was really young. I was 15 years old. That's the title, 15 Thoughts. I was 15 years old in high school. I had um, a lot of problems with depression. And uh, I was just sad a lot. I was very... I had my, my hormones were just crazy off. 
And I uh, always suicidal thoughts going through my heads and stuff. And um, I remember, so 15 Thoughts is kind of about this one day, this one night. I um, One night I went home, and I, well, I was at home one night, and I was just like really depressed, feeling like shit. I don't know what was going on at the time, and I was just like, Super, I was just super fucking depressed and super sad. I remember like putting stuff in a backpack. I think I went, to, I was just gonna walk around with the backpack on or something. Or no, no, I didn't have a backpack. I just like put a little notepad in my pocket and the pen in my pocket. I got my iPod and stuff because I used to walk, I used to like walking around with just listening to music because it would help me like chill out for a while, you know. And I would just walk around town, you know, the town that I eventually would scorn <laughs> um but so i walked around i remember i got all my stuff and i remember going to see my uh i i went and gave my mom a big hug and i went and i gave my dad a big hug and i walked out the door and as i was leaving i shut the door and i remember just thinking i was like i'm never going to see these people again i Walked around for the longest time, and I got to the this balcony by um, our choir building. And I sat on this balcony for a while, and, you know, it wasn't like people had fallen from this balcony into this little pit, and it was just like they'd broken their ankles and stuff. And, you know, it's not a deadly fall. So I sat on this balcony for a while, just listening to music, thinking about if I do this, I'm going to have to jump and then immediately aim my head at the ground, you know, and try and make it some fucking gruesome. I didn't want to make it super gruesome. I just wanted to be like, I don't want to suffer from this. I want to just go out, I guess. I don't know. I was 15. I sat there for a while. And I thought, I started thinking, I started thinking more about how I probably wouldn't die from this jump. I just get really fucked up and badly injured and long-term injured. I don't want that. I want to be out of here. I wanted to be out of this world at the time. I just didn't want to be there. So I went and I just kept walking. I went to this park and I sat at this park for a really long time at this picnic table. I pulled out this notebook. And I had started writing down people's names at the top of these pages. And what I what I originally planned on doing after I wrote out all these names was just writing a little caption for them and telling them, thank you for, you know, being in my life. You know, this wasn't your fault. And I just wanted to say you meant something to me. You know, you meant a lot to me and all this. So I wrote all these names out in this little notebook. And then I sat there for a while and I sat there and I was like, I guess my original intention was to strangle myself with my belt. That's a fucking horrible thing. It's a horrible thing to think and be a fucking terrible way to die. I wrote these names in that notebook and I sat there and I was listening to music over and over again, just listening to different songs maybe. I don't I can't remember exactly what I was listening to. But at the I, some song came on, I think. And it put my head into perspective. And I put the notebook away. 
And I just walked home. I was like, no, not today. I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to, I'm not going to end it right here. So that, um, that moment really, uh, that was a pretty tough moment in my life, but I wrote this song to get over it, to say I'm done with it. I'm, I, I, you know, I still get depressed, but I wouldn't say I'm suicidal like I was back in high school. I am not like that at all anymore. I've given myself things to believe in and things to live for, things to put myself in, things to take myself out whenever I need time away. But then I always come back. Because I don't think you should kill you should ever kill yourself young. I think you haven't figured it out yet. And I know that it's fucking tough sometimes. Even whenever things are going great, sometimes it's like, what's going on? Why do I feel this way? Sometimes things are really shitty. But I guess the only thing I can say, and what at the end of 15 Thoughts, it's I found a way to overcome. I found a way to overcome. Hopefully you can find a way to overcome whatever is eating you, and if you ever feel... Super depressed or suicidal, you know. Just listen to some music. Hopefully things will get better. Um, And just try, you know. Try and make things better for yourself. And just try. And you know what? Maybe 50 years later, if things suck, then you can go ahead. But give yourself time to experience life. Because if you don't experience life, well, then, what did you really do? And that's probably not something great to say to someone that's not feeling themselves. But I believe that everybody is worth something. That they, everybody can be worth something. You just got to make yourself worth something. Do something with yourself. No matter what it is, follow your dreams. Make dreams, make plans, and do something. Live a life. Try and help others. I don't know. Make music. That always helped me. That's all I'm going to do for today. I'm an hour in. I'm by myself. Talked about the real American Zero. Oh, I I know I said I would talk about, or might talk about, the new stuff Toilet's got in the works. Well... Toilet's going to be working on a full length. We're going to have some singles. Singles will come first. We've got a few singles. When we're going to record them? Sometime this year. Probably mid-2019. And by the... Closer to the end of 2019, you will have at least a couple Toilet singles to, to fucking wrap your head around. So, I'm Nathaniel Lopez. Thank you for listening to this solo episode. I'm sorry I don't have a guest But hey, that's just fucking life sometimes. All right. Thank you for listening. I have no sponsors. If you out there would like to sponsor me and the, the, sponsor me so I can talk to the zero listeners that I have, 
Unless you are a listener, thanks for listening. Sponsor me. All right, I'm Nathaniel Lopez. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm Nathaniel Lopez. Thanks for listening to the N. Lopez podcast. Tune in to my other podcast, Let the Freak Speak. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. I'm also a producer on a show that on a limited podcast series that's only on YouTube and Spotify called Rick Daniel Forced to Tell All. We've got four episodes out right now. It's about this actor who is forced to tell all at the end of his career. Go check it out. You can find that you can find all that stuff on the 85631 Productions page on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram at 85631. It's 85 SIX31 on Instagram. You can also find 85631 Productions on Facebook. Subscribe. Subscribe to me, please. I could use the fucking help. I could use it. My cats need food. All right. Thanks for listening. Peace out.